Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo starts now. now. On this Wednesday afternoon, good afternoon, and welcome into today's edition of the Burns and Gambo Show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. My name is Dave Burns, alongside the one, the only, John Gambadoro. Hi, Gambo! Burnsy, what's going on? I had to laugh today. You, you saw the latest tweet from the Cardinals about Kyler Murray, right? Did, did, did you yeah. see it? They called it. They, I did. are doubling down. I, they are doubling down, but they called down. him the one and only. The one and only. So what I'm oh. thinking is what we what need to hell? do is we need to have our graphics department here at the station come up with like a a stunning portrait of you, like this painting of Kyler Murray, mm, and we'll yes. call you the one and, the only. One and only. And it'll be a picture of John Campanoro. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, they really, they're just trolling us at this point, right? They've got to Oh, be, yeah. They've got to just be, oh, yeah, watch this. Yeah. You you think we were tweeting about Kyler Murray before? You, you just wait. Because they got called out for the Josh Rosen tweet. <laughs> yes, they're they're like, um, you guys have done this before. Remember Josh Rosen? <laughs> yeah. I even so s- we don't believe you. I even saw like like the Rich Eisen show kind of made fun of it. They, they tweeted out something about the one and only, and I think it was like a picture, a painting of one of their producers. I, I don't really listen or watch the Rich Eisen show, but this is apparently the Cardinals tweeting about Kyler Murray has become a thing. So I just thought if he's the one and only, and since I introduce you every day as the one and only John Gambadoro, we need to we need to have a a portrait of you, like a la Kyler, for our Twitter account. Me. Yes, wow. what do you think about it? Have you ever had a portrait painted of you? I've never had a no. portrait painted of me. No, <laughs> no I can't I imagine you would. I don't know any reason why anybody would want to paint a portrait of me. Yeah, yeah. me either. Yeah. yeah I, I cannot I, think of any single reason why anybody would be like, you know what? I feel like painting a portrait. I'm going to paint a portrait of Gambo. Yeah. Hmm. No, that that would that would not do well, I don't think. Although we did, we, you know, it, it's we'll, we'll keep our options open. We'll see what we can do. Speaking of the Arizona Cardinals, uh, they are, we got a few big stories today. They are one of them. Let's tell you what our top story of the day is here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, the weigh-in. Brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. The Arizona Cardinals are not one of the bottom five teams in the latest National Football League Players Association report oh, card. Celebrate good times. Come on. <laughs> yeah. They out fi- of the basement. They finished 27th out of 32 teams. Uh, last year, as we all remember very well, they finished 31st. In the National Football League Players Association. So they went from 31 to 27. And, you know, what we can sit here and go through, I, we all remember the kind of ramifications and the shock waves when this came out. And we looked at it and we're like, oh my God, the Cardinals do what? And they do what? And they do what? Right? And it was like this real, real bad kind of like expose of the state of the organization and some of the things they don't provide their players. And I guess for me, Gambo, I, okay, it's not. Like massive improvement. They're still 27th. They still got, you know, dinged with a couple of F's and a few D's. But the fact that it got better and the fact that they took some of the criticisms that sure. were in last year's report and yeah. made improve, that's the takeaway here, right? 100%. I mean, it's 100%. Now, you're not, you know, it would have been unrealistic to expect them to go from 32nd to like top 10. Like it's not going to happen overnight, but make improvements. Get, you know, get some things done, and they obviously did that, right? They stopped charging for meals. They changed the floor in the weight room. They added new weight room equipment, and they created a family room and started providing daycare at games. 
you know, a little bit goes a long way. I mean, the environment, you know, all of that stuff to players, you know, when, when things are equal and you're trying to choose where you want to play, little things like that matter. Like, little things like that matter. The Suns have always done a really good job of it. The D-backs, too. And the Cardinals are now, you know, coming along and, you know, getting getting with the times and making better environment for their, you know, their their players and their players families yeah and it and, it, and that's and that's probably the most important part because what you want to do is you want to create like like the phoenix suns the, the phoenix suns have created this workplace where you know matt ishbia is going to spare absolutely no expense to making sure that his employees understood how well they're valued he's you know they're building that giant campus in downtown phoenix that's going to be the mercury headquarters and a lot of their office space is going to be there uh it, it's he's he's spending he's making he's sending a clear message to everybody around the league you'll want to come play for us because of all of these things that we do for you the cardinals it's again it's not it's not like you said it's not going to happen overnight it was never going to happen overnight but i'm glad they responded to this and frankly i hope they keep responding to some of the criticisms that are out there for this year's team because it's it's not perfect i mean there's still some criticism but i hope they're not done responding to what's in this report no let let, make no mistake about it there were small improvements that were made they've got a long way to go i mean if you still look at the grades that that are there like you know the head coach got an a minus and the training staff got a b but look at some of the other things the locker room was an f the ownership was an f the treatment of families was a d plus mm-hmm. the food in the cafeteria was a d like okay let's and that's the current one right that's the current that you are looking at the current one correct okay yes. that's the current one so we're sitting here like oh great they made improvements they got a long way to go yeah like their biggest improvement is the head coach got an a minus and their training staff got a b like that's just hiring people. That's just the people you hire to good. But the locker room is still an F. The ownership is an F. The treatment of families is a D plus. The food is a D. Like Bernsey, that's not good. Like those are really bad grades. They are. And, and and like I said, cumulatively you add it all up, and it's not one of the five worst teams in the NFL, but it's close to being one of the five worst teams in the NFL. The ownership thing is new, and it's worth pointing out that the ownership grade, uh, and this is from the NFL PA president, J.C. Treader, says that the new ownership grade of these team report cards, is a new element of it, is solely based on the ownership's willingness to make upgrades to the facility. So when we talk about ownership gets an F, Michael Bidwell gets an F in this latest report. Specifically, that is the part of his ownership that he is being graded on. What is your willingness to make upgrades at the facility? Now, J.C. Treader also said he got word, and I don't know if this has been confirmed by the organization or not, but this is according to the NFLPA president, that the Cardinals are going to redo their locker room this year. Presumably, that would mean a better grade with some of the things they got poor grades on this year. Like you said, uh, if they're redoing the locker room, the locker room got an F. Okay, yeah, we're redoing yeah. that. The training you know got a C minus. Yeah, what stands out to you? You know what stands out to me? I mean, it should be the easiest thing in the world. How do you get a D with the food and cafeteria? How do you not want your players having the most nutritious and important meals? Like, how do you not like, hey, you, whoever's doing your catering and stuff, maybe fire them and bring somebody else in. That'll mm-hmm. do a better job. Mm-hmm. Like, do you remember like when we used to go cover the team in Flagstaff? Yes. And they had that, that gigantic cafeteria. Like, that that food was really good. Like they had everything for the players, like everything. And we ate the same food as they did. Um, and that was really good. But 
I don't know. Like, I haven't been in there. I don't know what the cafeteria is and the food environment is. But, man, that seems like the easiest fix in the whole world. Hey, for some reason, everybody hates our food yeah. <laughs> and our cafeteria and what we're feeding you. Can we just either either go to the people that, that, that are providing the food and tell them, look, you got to change this or get somebody else to do it? That should be the easiest fix in the whole world. Yeah. It's- and one that you want, that should be a fix that you want. You should want your players having – all of the most nutritious options, uh, nutritious options out there to feed their body. Totally agree, and and I think along those lines, them getting a C in the nutritionist dietitian category is also something that you know I'm reading the spec- the specific report now. Only sixty five percent of players feel like they get an individualized plan. That should not be. That should always be a hundred percent, right? That should be ninety percent of your players feel like they're getting an individualized plan for what they eat, how they're eating. It's one of the most, you know, you talk about extending careers. We were talking about Kevin Durant and extending careers yeah. last week. You know, a big chunk of that is diet and what you eat and when you eat and how you eat and things like that. Well, think about an offensive lineman compared to a wide receiver. Of course, totally different diet. I mean, think about a yeah. defensive lineman. Think about you know what what. What their body needs, nutrition-wise, you know, to maintain the weight that they maintain but still have, you know, the endurance and the stamina and the strength compared to other athletes that are more reliant on speed and quickness and they don't want to gain weight. Like, I mean, I think it's – I mean, everybody should have, you know, their own – specific personalized like plan on what now a lot of these guys will go hire their own people for this stuff but the cardinals absolutely have to do that that jumped out at me like your food cafeteria and nutrition nutritionist got really poor grades fix it fix it top five dolphins vikings packers eagles and jags bottom five steelers patriots chargers chiefs curious and the commanders uh it is also noteworthy and you mentioned it but i want to make sure we mentioned it again the head coach got an a minus uh which was you know we've we've heard nothing but great about jonathan gannon we've seen nothing but great maybe not in the record but certainly what we've heard and what we've seen kind of with our own eyes and how they play it's not a surprise at all that the head coach got the grade that he did with the impact that he's had on the team at least it's not a surprise i don't think to you or i when we come back on the burns and gambo show the suns went out and hired a defensive minded head coach the defense has been a big focus for the suns going into the season It has shown up really strong from one of the Suns players. It is not in another. And we'll talk about that coming up on the Burns and Gambo Show. Hey, it's Luke. What have the Phoenix Suns learned since the last time they played the Rockets? We're getting you ready for Suns Rockets tomorrow at 10 a.m. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports. All right, first, let's get the nuts and the bolts out of the way here as we welcome you back to the Burns and Gambo Show. Nuts and bolts. The nuts and the bolts, The nuts Gambo. and the bolts. The nuts and the bolts when it comes to the Phoenix Suns is okay. the health update. Bradley Beal and Eric Gordon will be questionable for tomorrow's game against the Rockets. Yusef Nurkic is still dealing with the sore ankle. It shouldn't impact his ability to play. That is from Gerald Borgay and others, the the uh, collection of beat writers who cover the team, our own Kellen Olsen, Gerald uh, Dwayne Rankin and others. So uh, Bradley Beal and Eric Gordon questionable. It sounds like Nurkic should be good to go. So we'll be kind of in wait and see yeah. mode when it comes to so Bradley Beal and, and Eric Gordon tomorrow against the Rockets. We'll let you know game. tomorrow on our end if those guys are going to be good to go. Um, so we'll, we'll 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 get to the bottom of that tomorrow. Um, 
because I'm sure it'll it'll go. I'm sure for those two guys, it'll probably go right up to game time. Yeah, you would think. So that's the that's the nuts and the bolts. That's the latest uh, when it comes to that. Um, two very contrasting stories about the two stars of the Phoenix Suns and their ability slash willingness to play defense. Story today on Yahoo Sports from Jake Fisher, their NBA insider, specifically dedicated to Kevin Durant. And his defensive numbers is kind of beyond the norm defensive numbers. When you kind of take a deeper dive into the analytics, they're very, very good. And then almost as a perfect counterbalance to that, Gambo, you sent the team earlier today a screenshot of a Devin Booker defensive report card. It was not very, very good. <laughs> Which one do you want to start with? We, we can go either way here because you've got one star who graded out very well defensively and one star who did not grade out well defensively. Well, let's do, let's do the Booker one. Let, let, let's, let's start with the negative. Let's start with the Booker one. Uh, uh, John Voida, right side wait, wait, of the sun. What happens to good vibes only? I, I mean, I thought you were Mr. Well, good vibes. I want to end with good vibes only. I want to end. I want to uh, end the uh, segment okay. with good vibes. Okay, you know? I got you. Okay, we so, have to do... Yeah. So let's get the you bad know? vibes out of the way first. Yeah, yeah so let's we can, end on a good note so we go into the break on a positive note. I like note, it. So we can know? coast on into the Mitch Verelda yes. sports update with good vibes. I like it. Okay. Go ahead. Hit me. Uh, you John's got? column on Bright Side of the Sun, um, he, he, he broke out a per uh, basketball index, which is a very stat-oriented, yes. analytics-type, Kellen Olsen-type website. <laughs> Um, it's a oh, it definitely is. Sometimes I'll ask Kellen a question. He'll send me the information on a website I've never heard of. No, like also, like, hey, what do you, Kellen? Do you know how many times the Suns have done this? And like, he'll send me the answer on a website. I'm like, I've never seen this. I've never seen this website ever um, in my life. So one one he sent me was hardwood paroxysms. Uh, uh, yes, that, I'm I'm familiar yeah. with that one. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I figured so, you were. So yeah, uh, I don't follow hardwood paroxysms. <laughs> so anyway, you know um, that's not his real name, right? No, I know. I know Kellen and I are going to have a good laugh about this one later. We really really are. But please continue with the Devin Booker breakdown. So the per basketball good. index, Booker's overall defensive impact grades out as an F. Wow. 3-point shooting A minus, finishing A minus, playmaking A plus. Those are his offensive, offensive impact, grades, yeah. A plus. Defensive impact, F. He gets an F. Now, they, they talk about, you know, what percentile he's in and you know, defensively and defect, uh, defections and contesting shots and where he was last year. But, you know, basically they're saying that his production is really poor defensively. And that's something that, you know, that we, we take notice. But look, I've said it time and time again. I'm, one of the things I think is a weakness for this, this team is the dribble penetration. I think that that's where teams can get to Phoenix is at the rate the dribble penetration. You can dribble by Grayson Allen. You could dribble by Eric Gordon. You could dribble by Devin Booker. You could dribble by Kevin Durant, like the Yusuf Nurkic. There's a lot of these guys that you could take these, these guys off the dribble because they're not great on-the-ball defenders. Yeah, the specific categories in which Devin Booker didn't do well, uh, defending the passing lanes, uh, deflecting balls, uh, contesting three-point shots, um, and these are all categories he's basically in the bottom, according to their metrics, that he's in the bottom quarter of the NBA in. Compared to this time a year ago, he was in the upper 50% in his defense in the passing lanes and deflections, and, well, his three-point contests weren't very good either, but he was. It, it's better than it was this time a year ago, and, and or it's better a year ago than it was now is what I should say. And so 
here we are. We're looking at Devin Booker, and we're going, okay, his defense is taking a step back, even though he's got a quote-unquote defensive-minded head coach in Frank Vogel. What is the reason why? Is there a reason why? Is there a regression going on here? And if so, what could be the explanation? Is it a cop-out or an excuse to say that since Devin Booker doesn't have Chris Paul next to him, that he's focusing so much of his attention on being the quote-unquote point guard for this team that we should have expected a little defensive regression given that he's spending a lot more time and attention doing things that maybe he hasn't always been doing for the Phoenix Suns. Is that an excuse or is that a reason for Devin? You know, we've seen Devin Booker elevate his offensive game to a level that few players in the NBA can get to. The one thing we always said about Booker becoming a top 10 player and becoming a great player was the defensive end. So if he wants to be you know, uh, considered among his peers as one of the truly best players, then he has to get better on the defensive end. He just has to um, because that's where the, the biggest improvement in his game is going to be there. It's not his ability to get to the free throw line. It's not his ability to shoot the mid-range jumper or the three-point shot or to drive the lane. His biggest improvement has to the the area for most growth is on the defensive end. So you could say that he has to spend so much more uh, of his of his effort offensively, but I think he's going to have to do a better job defensively once you start going up against the you know Jamal Murray and players like that in the playoffs. Well, yeah, and I think I I, I agree with you. I th- I think what what it, it's just this year. I, I, I'm going back and forth on this one because this year I feel like there was another set of responsibilities that was added to Devin Booker's plate offensively, and and so maybe we should have expected. And, and I think honestly. These numbers, and for a lot of people, it's going to be a lot of analytic mumbo-jumbo. If we go by our eye test from watching Suns basketball the way you and I and Mitch and Lauren and a lot of people listening to our show do, I think the eye test would tell us all the same thing. That that Devin Booker is not playing the same level of defense that he has in the past. And honestly, in the past, the last two years under Monty, we were just happy that Devin Booker was playing, was committing more of his energy to playing defense. He's he's never going to be an elite defensive player. I, I I don't think we should all you know understand that's that's at least that's not my expectation for Devin Booker is to be an elite defensive player. He just needs to be an average, slightly better than average defender. And if you do that combined with the offense, now you're talking about a real elite player. So my hope is that as he grows more comfortable with point book, and my real hope is that as we get to the postseason, the intensity of the moment will bring out the better defensive version of Devin Booker. You know, like being in the playoffs, Mm -hmm. we'll see the better defensive version of Devin Booker than what we've seen during the regular season. I might be asking a lot, but that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, and I don't know that he'll ever be a great defensive player, but, you know, defense is is effort. Like, a lot of the defense, right? Not all of it, but a lot of it is effort. It's just your effort. And, you know, if you've got to conserve energy, most guys, most NBA players will conserve energy on the defensive end. Of course. Oh, yeah, That's where they'll conserve energy. Especially the elite offensive players. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You've got to exert so much energy moving and trying to get free and then, you know. Contesting shots. and ball. If you've got the ball for 15, 17, 18 seconds in a shot clock, you're exerting a lot of energy and then you kind of rest a little bit on the defensive end. Okay, we promised the folks good vibes. uh, So, because Gambo's all about the good vibes. So, good vibes on our way (laughs) out the door um which we established this yesterday gambo's good vibe good vibe gambo here on the burns and gambo show (laughs) oh you oh gambo if only you could see how lauren is shaking her head at me um kevin durant 
Big story today on Yahoo Sports about how he has blocked 43% of all the shots that he's contested. Uh, He's doing it against some of the best in the NBA. Here's the big number I was looking for. He ranks fifth in the NBA in what's called difference percentage, which means that his opponents, when they're guarded by Kevin Durant, they shoot about 5.5% worse when Durant is covering them compared to their season average. So if Kevin Durant, so if John Gambadoro shoots 47% and Kevin Durant is on him, John Gambadoro is now shooting 42%, 41%. That is, I, I sent Jake a message. I'm like, Jake, that's a really good story on Durant. Like, that's a really good kind of breakdown of, you know, what he's been able to do defensively. Now, What's helped Durant in in the in his older age is that he doesn't take the volume of shots that he used to when he was younger. He's become much more. He scores the same amount of points, but he's much more efficient, you know, with that. So I think that's a big factor there is that he doesn't have the, um, you know, he doesn't he doesn't take a high amount of shots, and that allows him to put a lot of energy into defense. All right, uh, there's your good vibes on this. And don't good worry, vibes. There'll, be, there'll be more. Yeah. <laughs> Mitch, Mitch on the other side of the glass is doing like Kyler, like he's meditating in the end zone after scoring a touchdown. Good vibes only here on the Burns and Gambo show. We'll explain a joke a little later because it stems from yesterday's show. Lauren's not amused by this at all. Diamondbacks continue spring train. Not one bit. I don't think she's buying good vibe Gambo at all. I, 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 she's not. You got to... You gotta work to convince Gambo you're good vibe Gambo, Gambo, because wow. Lauren's Just not play good vibrations. What's up, the Beach Boys? Good, good, good vibrations. Diamondbacks are continuing spring play today. They tried something that maybe we weren't expecting. When we come back, we're gonna try to figure out what, if anything, it might mean. So we'll tell you what it is next. This is good this on the Burns and Gambo show. Yeah. ASU men's basketball hosts arch-rival Arizona tonight in Tempe. Pre-game coverage begins at 7.30 on Arizona Sports 98.7 and the Arizona Sports app. It's good. Good vibes only here on the Burns and Gambo show. good. Good vibes only. All right, that's a little newer than than, than mine. Just a smidge. I was going with the Beach Boys. Just a smidge. We're trying to make you hip, Gambo. Introduce you to new people. I'm hip and hop. We say that. We said that. I'm kind of bold. This song's 25 years old? Oh, jeez. I'm guessing. Is there anything that's not 25 years old that, like, we relate to? Uh, you, you, you're not 25 years old. I mean, our kids are even 25 years old. Now. Lauren's 25 years old. Yeah, April, like, like, yeah. Yeah. I think this song is at least 20 years old. I'm my kid went to bed. My kid went to Bad Bunny last night. I saw that. Happy birthday to your, to your son. You want, you want to go to Bad Bunny. Yeah. Mitch, did you say 91 this 91. song? 91. Yeah, it makes it older than 25 years. Jeez. So it's almost like the exact halfway point between the Beach Boys' good vibrations and where we are now. This song is like the halfway point between the two. Man, that's right. crazy. Uh, Diamondbacks, yeah, good vibes only here on the Burns and Gambo show. Uh, it's 3-3 right now in the bottom of the sixth. They're taking on the Cleveland Guardians in Cactus League action. That's the one team whose name I still screw up from time to time. Uh, Brandon. Oh, is I, that the one? That's the, that's the one. That's the one. I can see, for me, it's the Redskins. Okay, that's. I can't call. I just, for some reason, I, I always screw up with the Commanders. Yeah. I, the Commanders now. Yeah, no. But I, I, I always screw 
grew up in, say, the Washington Redskins. I, I, I was in an Uber the other day, and I said the Indians. And I'm like, oh, I mean the Guardians. And I'm like, yeah, that's the one. All the rest I got. I, I, I'm down. I'm fine. I got it. The, the yeah. Cleveland Guardians, I still very much I got to work on that. I'm struggling with that a little bit. Uh, it was the first spring, stra- uh, spring training start for Brandon Fott. He gave up two runs in an inning. Tommy Henry pitched very well again. Three scoreless like innings. Yeah, he. No, I like him. He is staking a claim, my guy. an early claim to the fifth spot in the rotation. I but like the, the lefty. The story that caught our eye, and oh, I want to give credit to Alex Weiner, and I noticed this kind of, I don't want to say buried, but it was down a little deeper in one of his Diamondback stories at ArizonaSports.com. Jordan Lawler is a, and I'm just going to read this verbatim from his story at ArizonaSports.com. Lawler is a standout athlete at shortstop, and he took some grounders during drills at second base on Tuesday. That said, he will still get just about every game rep at shortstop, Lavello said. The top prospect said he has not been approached about any other position as he continues to progress at short, progress, pardon me, at short. Quote, I think it's just practicing the right reps the right fundamentals. Lawler toward Arizona sports. I've never really had an infield coach, so it's nice to have some different keys and tips mm. as we've been able to work on over the last couple of years. I sent this to you, and you were like, oh, we got to talk I about love, this. this. Yeah, let's I, go. I love this because there's, there's two ways this could go. right? There's, there's, Jordan Lawler is going to play for the Arizona Diamondbacks. He's going to be an everyday player. The question is where? If Geraldo Perdomo continues to play well at shortstop, it's not going to be shortstop. The position you look at, Here's the position you look at. A lot of people may not like this, but you look at second base and you look at the contract that Cattel Marte signed and you say, okay, is there any point down the road? Cattel Marte is under contract until he's 35 years old with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Yes. He's got all of this year. All of next year, all of 26, all of 27, and an option for 28. Team option. On a team great option. Co- club option. Yeah, team option. Yeah, go ahead. Go yeah. ahead. You, I, I interrupted you. My apologies. Go ahead. On a great contract. A great contract. I mean, any team in the league would love to get their hands on the production that Cattell Marte gives you for $16 million a year. He signed a five-year deal for $76 million. It's a great contract. Now, continues to play well, you say, okay, it's hard to let this guy go. I mean, he's a switch hitter. He was great in the playoffs. I get it. I get it. At some point, you know, you may say before he starts, because he is in his 30s now, at some point before he starts a downward spiral, you may say, we got to make room for Jordan Lawler. If Perdermo is playing out of his mind at short, and you're like, I can't get rid of Perdermo, um, you know, then maybe at second base. That could be why he's taken some, some reps at second. Is another possible reason that they'd be showcasing Jordan Lawler at all, just to show everyone else that he can play a different position, if that's something that... Because I always thought if Lawler was going to move positions, that he was going to move to third, not second. I always thought if Lawler was going to play a different position, it was going to be over there and not at second base. You know what I mean? So I, I just it, don't know that he projects... The stats, like, they got a guy now that's going to hit a lot of home runs and drive in runs. Like, I don't know that he projects to be that type of player at third base. You know, I don't know if he projects to be that type of guy. Um, you know, he's what, six feet tall, 190 pounds. I'm not saying you can't play the position, but I just think that they want that. You know, listen, third base has always been a power 
power position. Sure. You always want the guy that's going to hit home runs for you. I Listen, I love Marte, and what he did last year was fantastic. But you start to think, okay, if you get through this year at age 30 and next year he's 31, is, is he going to start to slip a little bit? You just don't know, and you might want to sell high on the guy at some point. Maybe you don't, and maybe maybe it's Perdermo doesn't play great and Lola takes the spot from him. But if you're Mike Hazen, you're starting to look at how do I get Jordan Lawler in the lineup? Not right now, but at the end of the season, or at least for next year. Yeah, because and I mean a couple things. I mean, number one, it's it's there are so many fields and backfields over there that Jordan Lawler. It's not like it's not like they're in a space crunch. And Jordan Lawler's got nowhere else to take ground balls at but second base. He he could go to any backfield he wanted, and he could have any coach he wanted hit him ground balls all day at shortstop. He doesn't have to play, doesn't have to take grounders out of second base because there's no room for him to take grounders anywhere else. He can do that wherever he wants. That's number one. Number two, it, it all these scenarios that you're painting, and it, it doesn't explain why he's taking grounders at second base. All these scenarios you're painting, the one that seems far more likely to me is that Perdomo is the one who's, he's the guy this year, but I bet his leash is fairly short. I, I, I bet he's, he, he, he kind of slumped towards the end of last year after the All-Star break. His numbers were not nearly as good. Now, he rebounded during the postseason, and he played well at times during the playoffs. But if you're telling me the likelihood is either, hey, Ketel Marte starts to get old or Perdomo starts to slip, I think it's more likely Perdomo starts to slip and that you would need Lawler over at shortstop if such a thing okay. happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. No, I get it. Um, Marte had a really good year last year. Really good it year. It kind of was quiet because of the emergence of Corbin Carroll and Gabriel Moreno. So it was a little bit quiet. And then there was obviously noise with Madison Bumgarner beginning of the season and Zach Davies. and But like, I could tell Marte put together, and then that postseason streak was unreal. But I think you just you, you just got to keep your options open if you're hazing. Maybe you're right. Maybe they showcase a lot. But maybe Marte's playing out of his mind and Perdomo is the best defensive shortstop in the game. You're like, we'll move Lola. Um, but you know, what you don't want to do is you don't want to handcuff the kid for four years where he's just sitting behind two no. players and he can't get any run. No, there's no value in that whatsoever. And Lola, I mean, look, Lawler's considered one of the top prospects in all of baseball, but I'm just looking at Cattell's year last year just to remind myself how good it was. And, man, it was good. 25 homers, 82 RBI. He had 276. He had an OPS of 844. And then, of course, as you mentioned, the postseason where he was absolutely fantastic. So just an interesting development to kind of keep an eye on and one that I would love to get a little more information on exactly what what the why is. You know, what is the why behind Lawler taking grounders at second base? Because there, there's, it, you know, it's not just to get them reps. You know, there, there's a purpose behind everything they do out there. NASCAR returns to Phoenix Raceway March 9th through the 11th. It's the Shriners Children's 500. Get ready for a thrilling experience as NASCAR heads west. Drivers like Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott take on the Desert Jewel. For your chance to experience this, head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for your chance to win tickets. Suns were off last night. Suns are off again tonight. The NBA last night featured out a couple of games. It helped the Suns a little bit. And maybe, maybe we should start worrying about that team in the Bay Area a little bit. That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. The Burns and Gambo Need to Know Social Poll. Presented by Sanderson Ford. 
All right, back here on the Burns and Gambo show where Mitch is here. He's got today's social media poll question of the day. Take it away, Mitch. GVO. Good vibes only. Good vibes only only here on the Burns and Gambo show. Good vibes. We're all good vibes. We're all good vibes. Vibes good. Just, okay, for those who weren't with us yesterday, we had A. Eugenio Suarez, otherwise known as Gino Gino. Suarez on the show. Love him. And really nice guy. Had a a lot of positive vibes coming off of him. Well, we got like seven or eight minutes into the, the interview. And no one had asked him yet about the fact that he strikes out, like, a lot. I'm like, (laughs) fine. I'll be the bad guy. I'll ask the really positive guy the question about how the fact that he strikes out a bunch. And Gambo immediately threw me under the bus as, like, I'm the bad cop of the two of us. I'm the, you know, me. I was going to ask you about the high walk rate that you've got. <laughs> that's that's right. I, that's right. Yeah, because like, you walk like 70 times a year. So <laughs> the walk rate's pretty good for look, a guy that strikes out so much. Look, he's the jackass on this show. I'm the nice guy, <laughs> says Gambo. I was going to ask you about your walks, but since Jerkface over here <laughs> asked you about the strikeouts. So, uh, Mr. Good Vibe Gambo, keep it up, man. Uh, I, right. I expect nothing but positivity out of you today, so you better not be negative that's on right, us. That's right, yeah. No more rants on no. You know, no, you know, this could get this guy out of here, or <laughs> nope, you know, no, no more angry, five no or... more angry texts to Tori about players you don't no, like. Okay, no, exactly. Yeah. You're you've been... it's gonna be like Tori. I know he went 0 for four, three strikeouts, but give him a chance. <laughs> like give him a give him a shot. Like you know, you don't need to bench him. Like get him back out there the next day. <laughs> Miguel it's... Castro missed on that one pitch, but it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> well, I tell you what, if you had been like this year entire radio career, you'd have lasted about three months in this industry. <laughs> I don't think you would have made it, man. I don't think you would have made it at all. Uh, Mitch, you got a poll question for us. Take it well, away. Well, this kind of plays off good vibes only because you know who's got a lot of good vibes? Bull. Bull. Uh, Bull's poll, got the vibe. Yes, indeed. And so that's kind of the direction I went with the poll question today. As you pointed out yesterday, there's 24 games left in the Suns regular season. How many of those games will Bull Bull log at least 10 or more minutes. There are four options. At least 10 of those games. At least 15 of those games. At least 20 of those games. Or he will get to at least 10 minutes in every remaining game this season. I would not say every remaining game. I would take the the one right before that. Not, But not every remaining game. So you say at least 20 of the 24? He gets 10 minutes at least? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, why not? Put me down for the notch just below that, please. 15? 15. In f- at least 15 games he'll play 10 minutes or more. But I, I I would not bet Gambo on this one. I would suspect. No coffees, that, no lunch. No coffees, no lunches, no nothing. I, I would suspect that he might be right on this one, but it feels like a big number, so put me down for 15. And that's where the audience is right now, too. 44% thinking that Bull Bull will get to 10 minutes in at least 15 of these final regular season games. 23% going with Gambo at the 20-game mark. 19% going with at least 10 of them. 13 very optimistic Bull Bowlers at all 24 of the remaining games. Is that what we're calling them now? Bull Bowlers? I like that. That's good. All right, Mitch, thank you. That's the poll question. You can find it on our X page at Burns and Gambo. One word is where that's at. The Cavs are out of timeouts. They have to go 94 feet. Struth from midcourt. Oh, 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 do you believe this? Max Struth from midcourt has won it for the Cavaliers. Max 
pass-throughs from beyond midcourt oh for the Cavs. I know. If the Mavs are in the play-in tournament, they're going to look at that game as one of the primary reasons why. They lost on a 59-footer to Max Struess last night. It, it, and, you know, I got, I immediately got the Max Struess is the greatest thing since sliced bread Tim Ring text message. <laughs> Right after that, because Max Struess went to that basketball powerhouse, DePaul. DePaul, DePaul. which I don't think it has won an NCAA tournament game since, like, Roy Roy Myers was there, <laughs> you know, maybe in the early 80s. Careful. Tim, um, Ring, Tim Ring will not have your DePaul slander on this radio station. He will yeah, not have I it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know the last time he actually, you know, won more than 10 games in a season. Did he seriously but, text you last night? He, he, oh, he, he of course, text- of course. And, then, you know, I give him the boring sign, like, but it does good what it does for the signs like what it does for the signs and he's all right you're right yes i mean that was uh the mavs had a 10 point lead you know into the final four minutes they were in control Kyrie had this basket they're up 10 and then Struess hits a three-pointer and then another and then another and then one more for good measure it's a 12-point flurry the only thing that interrupted that was a Kyrie irving three and it's a one-point game with a minute 22 left. Back and forth, back and forth. Dallas takes their final lead on a Luka uh, pass to P.J. Washington for a layup. And then there it is, two-point-something seconds left. And Max Struess hits the 59-foot shot to win the game. By the way, Lauren just looked it up. 2004 was the last time DePaul won a conference uh, won the conference? Won. An NCAA tournament game. Okay, the last 2004. time DePaul won a tournament Two game. Two decades ago. 2004. Yeah. Two decades ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, long, I mean, Tim Ring was a young man. He was. He was a young man. He was a young man. He still had the looks for TV back in 2004. I mean, think of it. I mean, that's the last time they won a game? <laughs> and he said here from Tim Ring about the ball players. I mean, he's going to tell you about, like, you know, George Mikan and Mark Aguirre. And I remember Rod Strickland. He was really good. Wow, look at you going into the DePaul Hall of Fame there. I, I don't know if I could have named oh, I think any the, of those Qu- guys. Quentin Richardson play there? At DePaul, that does sound vaguely familiar, but I'm I'm not. This, this is not okay. my strong suit. I could tell you who directed the movie that won Best Picture in 2004. Rod Strickland. I, I, I couldn't tell you about who went to DePaul or whether Quentin Richardson George Mikan, Mark Aguirre. I don't remember why. Well, while you're scanning the memory banks for that one, the Cavs beat the Mavs last night 121-119. We are at that stage now with 24 games to go for the Suns where we are kind of scoreboard watching a little bit. Not a lot, just a little bit. You know, just like on nights where the Suns don't play, think it's worthwhile to kind of take a look around and let you know what happened. Uh, The Mavs losing helps a little bit. The Pelicans winning hurts a little bit. They beat up on an injury-depleted New York Knicks team last night, 115-92. Trey Murphy had 26. Brandon Ingram had 24. Zion added 21. We had a conversation, you and I, yesterday about the Golden State Warriors and how I was bringing up the tiebreaker between the Suns and the Warriors and how it belongs to the Suns. I'm not worried about them. You, you're, okay, you're still not? You're still you're still going with that line? Because they beat the Wizards last night, 123-112. They've won five of their... They actually won six of their last seven games. Uh, and they got Chris Paul back last night. They're only three games back from the Suns in the loss column in the West. Not worried about them? Uh, no, no, I'm okay. not. I think the Suns. I think the Suns are better than them. Um, Clay Thompson off the bench, right? I mean, maybe that changes things a little bit. It's going to be a one-two punch because Chris Paul is going to play all the non-Steph Curry minutes. So whenever Curry's not on the floor, Chris Paul is going to be on the floor, and then Clay Thompson's coming off the bench now. So you'll have a little bit of a Chris Paul Clay Thompson 
um, you know, uh, you know, in this in that second unit, you'll have those two guys out there. I like what Kaminga's done for them. I yep. like what Podzinski's done for them. I think that they've, you know, going younger has helped them a little bit. You know, Chris had nine points, four rebounds, six assists, and four steals. He's still a good player at 38 years old, um, but I just don't really see the. I think the Warriors will be a playing team, and I don't even know if they get out of the playing tournament. But that's not a team that I. I worry about the Suns uh, facing, and I, don't, I certainly don't think this, that the Warriors can overtake them in the standings. Okay, yeah, they're, they might not be on your radar screen. They are slightly on my radar screen as a team that I'm kind of paying attention to. Not worry, no, paying attention to, yes. The Suns right now, after everything that happened last night, sixth place in the Western Conference, they fell behind a spot when the Pelicans beat the Knicks. Tonight, three games, four games to keep an eye on. The Mavs are at Toronto, the Pelicans are at Indiana, the Kings Kings are at the Nuggets and the Lakers are at the Clippers. Those are team those are games involving teams that are bunched in with the Suns in the 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, ninth spots in the Western Conference. When we come back here on Burns and Gambo, we just wrote a piece about what we're seeing from the Suns role players and how important they're going to be down the stretch. Our Suns guru Kellen Olsen to talk about that, the latest on Bradley Beal next on the Burns and Gambo show.